What a crowd. Wasn't expecting this crowd on a Wednesday night. I'm thankful and I appreciate it very much. I thank the 21st Street congregation, the elders there, the leaders there for asking me to speak tonight. That means a lot to me as a gospel preacher. They have given me the opportunity to do the things that preachers need to do. So thank you. What a great theme. Lift up your eyes. Look into the fields. For they are already widened to harvest. When Alan called me to ask me to speak tonight, for tonight, and then he told me the theme, I immediately began to start thinking about what I was going to speak on. And a few days passed, and then a few weeks passed, and then the, I finally settled on something, and then I changed my mind. Because when you're going through John chapter 4, wow, what a tremendous read, what a tremendous narrative. I thought about talking about the Samaritans, changed my mind about that. Thought about talking about the, the living water that Jesus expressed to that Samaritan woman. Decided not to do that, although that would be great. I thought about the sinful woman that was caught with other men, as Jesus so indicated in the text. I thought about speaking on that. I thought about speaking on worship. That indeed, the Samaritans were worshiping at a certain mount and the Jews were worshiping in Jerusalem and Jesus would say, there's going to come a time when you're not going to either worship here nor those at Jerusalem, but Jesus or rather God would establish the place where he wanted men to worship, basically anywhere. Thought about that. And then I looked at the next several verses and I realized that at verse 25, after Jesus had told, told her about God as a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah comes, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. The Samaritans believed in the Messiah, though they did not necessarily follow the prophets. And the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Old Testament, you can find messianic prophecies. She understood that. And then Jesus said, I'm he. I'm the Messiah. And from that point forward then, the Bible says, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that talked with the woman. Yet no man said, why seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And if I understand it correctly, where the Bible says, and saith to the men, she saith to the men, the verb tense is, she kept on saying to the men. She kept on telling people about the Messiah. She kept on telling people about the one who knew her very heart and her very life. 
And about that time, the disciples who had been in town comes back to see Jesus, talks with him, and, and tries to get him to eat. And, and he said, the meat that I'm eating is basically to do the Father's will, to finish his work. And then we see that passage in the theme. Lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. I'd read that many, many times, but when I was assigned the topic, or when I was asked to, to speak, rather, I read it again, and I noticed the word already. I don't know why I didn't catch that before, but it was there. And so that captivated my attention, and the reason that it was already under harvest is because of what Jesus had spoken to the woman, the woman then told repeatedly to those in that area, in the city, about Jesus the Messiah. And it's going to be just a few minutes later that the disciples get to see all those Samaritans coming, basically at the invitation of the woman, to see the Messiah. And then they asked him to stay around a few extra days, and he did. And not only did the Samaritan woman believe, not only did the Samaritans who were received the invitation believe, but others believed because Jesus stayed around and taught. And so all those Samaritans that were saved that day, that came to Jesus that day, who believed Jesus to be the Messiah that day, came because of the work of Jesus and the acknowledgement and the invitation of one woman. The power of an invitation, tremendous. The fields are widened to harvest. But then Jesus says something here. He says in verse 36, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Both the sower and the reaper benefit and rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One sows and another reaps. Now get this. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are, in, you are entered into their labors. What an interesting statement. These disciples were in town while Jesus was speaking to the woman. And then the woman labors at the invitation to tell those people about the Messiah. And the disciples come back and he's saying, you get to benefit from that which you did not labor in. Interesting, isn't it? I'm here to tell you tonight. We are here tonight. Because of the labors of other men who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you to bear with me for just a minute. It's somewhat emotional to me. I'm 63 years old. Brother Roy just announced our sister who died at age 63. That caught my attention. But there have been many preachers 
preceding me who labored for the gospel in the gospel and from whom I benefit. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 13 and verse 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Paul said, be followers of me as I follow Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, I think is well described and well written by Albert Barnes who said this, and I quote, he summarized this verse. The sentiments here is that the proper remembrance of those now deceased who were once our spiritual instructors and guides should be allowed to have an important influence in inducing us to lead a holy life. We should remember them with affection and gratitude. We should recall the truths which they taught and the exhortations which they addressed to us. We should cherish with kind affections the memory of all that they did for our welfare, and we should not forget the effect of the truths which they taught in sustaining their own souls when they died. To me, that's pretty emotional. To me, that's very touchy. We can teach our kids and our grandkids about great athletes and why they are considered great and what took place in their lives that brought them to greatness, like Jackie Robertson and Ted Williams and Walter Payton and Wayne Gretzky, Gretzky Bo Jackson, Jack Nicholas, Michael Jordan, Pele, and so many more. If we can do that, we can teach our kids the greatness of these men, then we should be able to tell them about the great stalwarts of the faith, the great martyrs of faith the great men of faith of yesteryears. Jesus mentioned those who sow and reap in John 4, verse 36 and 37. And he said to his disciples, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Note the context. It's about Jesus, his work his harvest and they were recipients and they were beneficiaries and on this occasion they put forth no labor bear with me as I share some names Edwin Morris Alton Bailey, Bill Davis, Linwood Smith, Homer King, Homer Gay, Ronnie Wade, Johnny Elmore, Barney Owens, C.A. Smith, Royley Criswell, Jerry Harris, Jack Cutter, Nelson Nichols, Frank Staggs, Benny Cryer, Clovis Cook, Miles King, Chester King, Galen Osborne, Gary Weaver, Richard Frizzell, E.H. Miller, John Roberson, Cicero Goddard, Marion Frank, James Morgan, Dan Westinger, John Pruitt, Johnny Fisher, Stan Elmore, L.G. Butler, Gillis Prince, 
Paul Mackey, Bill Roden, Orville e. Smith, Jack Lee, Lonnie York, Billy Orton, James Orton, Tommy Shaw, Jimmy Shaw, Jim Hickey, J.W. Carnegie, Fred Kerbo, James Stewart, G.A. Canfield, Tom Smith, B.F. Leonard, H.C. Harper, Dr. G.A. Trott, John Modulin, Hans Ruchtjahn, Gary Mason, B.B. Casey, Carl G. Welks, Bob Chancellor. And now some names among the living but are very feeble. Bob O'Rear, Dennis Smith, Jerry Cutter, Don McCord, Ron Alexander, Paul Nichols, Wayne Fussell, Wayne McCamey, Irvin Barnes, Taylor Joyce, Bobby Pepper, Ron Corder, Richard Nichols, Don King, Jimmy Smith, and others. Many of these men, like the Apostle Paul, had to make tents, so to speak. Some were coaches, some were school teachers, some were educators at higher levels, some bus drivers and carpenters and painters, farmers and mechanics and doctors, business owners and managers, department administrators, salesmen, and so forth. Not all these men had the same abilities and the same talents. Some were great public speakers, pulpit speakers, eloquent in oratory, some very simple and plain spoken. There were debaters who were analytical, men who were quick-witted, those who could articulate an argument and reason. Some were great at personal work. They, were great, they had great social skills. They conducted open Bible studies. They were very personable and communicative. There were writers and editors, great literary skills some of them had. They could paint a picture with words. Some were missionaries. And rare is the man who excelled in all of these. Regardless of their forte, regardless of their ability, regardless of their talent, they were needed. And we are here tonight because of them. The purpose of the sermon is to encourage men to be preachers of the gospel, to be men of the book. And I'm not opposed to reading other books. I sold books for 20 years. But be a man of the book that you preach what that book says. And while you might come up with some ideas in between books that you read, make sure that it's with and alongside of this book. You want to be a great stalwart of the faith? Preach the pure, unadulterated Word of God like these men did. Did they have flaws? Absolutely. Did they make mistakes? Absolutely. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we overlook sin and I'm not suggesting that we tolerate false teaching. But we need men, we need people who's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need men and we need people who will, 
who will cry loud and spare not, but do so with the spirit of humility and the spirit of love, considering ourselves where we are in relationship to God. We could be harmless as doves, wise as serpents. This series of gospel meetings this week is for those that are present here, but it is also for an opportunity to share the gospel with those that are lost. What greater ability, opportunity. I remember Brother Ron, or rather Barney Owens once said in his prayer, he often said in his prayer, that we would give men at least one opportunity to hear the gospel. And when we're done said, we've lived and we're gone, that those that follow us will benefit from our labors one day. Is there somebody here today, the sound of my voice, that's never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? You've heard some sermons expressing that tonight, the importance of that, the urgency of that. Will you not obey the gospel? Will you not be like the Samaritan woman? Will you not be like her who then told others the good news? If you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And Jesus said, unless you believe that I'm He, you shall die in your sins. We must turn from our sins. Jesus said, unless you do that, you'll perish. Luke 13 and verse 3. And God's not willing that any should perish, but that all men everywhere come to repentance. That we confess his sweet name, that he indeed is the son of God. Jesus said, if you'll do that, I'll confess you before my father. If you deny me, I'll deny you before my father. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. And then be baptized for the remission of your sins. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Salvation is extended to you tonight. If you've already obeyed these words and you've obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, will you not come forward tonight if you have sinned that you, in such a way that acknowledge uh, this public sin in, in a way that we could pray with you and for you? confess their sins, repent of them, turn from them, confess them, and we'll pray that God will forgive you, and he will. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Will you make that decision tonight? There will be no greater decision that you'll make in life than that. While we stand and sing, won't you come?